Wise Turtle Speaks is a series of offerings merging philosophy, physics, math, biology, psychology, sociology, education, art, politics, and even love together. We will explore the patterns of our consciousness as it moves through space and time and use those patterns to better understand and solve our problems in all four dimensions of the universe. Namaste. I just recently finished a book that I um, had a lot of inspiration from. In fact, I spent one whole day, I, I devoted one whole day to trying to finish reading this book. And um, I, I managed to read two pages because every time I looked back at the text, I would get uh, <laughs> an idea and, and then I would spend, you know, an hour writing that idea down uh, or drawing it. Um, uh, but uh, it's it's a very it's a very good book. It's not a fantastic book. Um, it's got some issues, but um, it is definitely one of the best books that I've read, um, covering a lot of the stuff that I cover as far as the physics end of things, um, and also bringing it into the rest of the world, not just physics. But um, the name of the book is called "Decoding the Universe." How, this, how the new science of information is explaining everything in the cosmos from our brains to black holes. And its author is Charles Seif, or Seife, not exactly sure how to pronounce it, it's S-E-I-F-E. -E. And he's also the author of Zero, which was quite popular, and I think I may have read that. Um, I, I definitely read one or possibly two books on Zero, and that may have been one of them. I know, I know one of the other ones I read was... Um, called Zero, something like Diary of a Dangerous Number or something like that, which was which was interesting. Um, and someone actually from Reddit, one of my uh, the, the one time I participated in uh, the uh, the Secret Santa sort of gift exchange, which was the arbitrary day. It was the the non Christmas version. Um, someone actually sent me that book, uh, one of the books anyway, on um, on Zero. And I again I can't remember which one. Which ones I've read. Um, so it may have been this guy's. It may not have been. Um, but anyway, I wanted to read a passage from this book and then comment on it uh, because it is entirely relevant to what we've been talking about, what I've been talking about at least, <laughs> um, in the several of the many uh, podcast episodes recently. And this is talking about the um, the multiverse theory or the many <laughs> the multiple multiverse theories that are out there and there are several different ways that we can get to a multiverse theory um, my particular well I don't have a particular one necessarily in the the uh, more mathematical sense um, that many of the other ones many of the physicists have but uh, I, I do have a theory of how, how Pascal's triangle fits into the multiple universes theory. And one of the things that I point out in a lot of math and science is that there are always multiple ways of looking at the same thing. Um, I, mean, I mean, we're well aware of this, you know, everything from, from the fact that we, we actually use, um, you know, three-dimensional diagrams. Uh, of you know top side and, and you know other side or bottom or you know whatever uh, to to design objects you know from cars to houses to you know 
body parts that we're manufacturing with 3D printing. So, you know, there are always multiple ways of looking at something, and, um, and that includes any kind of theory of the universe. So, um, pro there are probably many theories that are exactly right, and they're just looking at things from a limited perspective, which of course is the only thing we can do, although the more we combine different perspectives, the more we understand the big picture, um, the full, you know, three-dimensional or multi-dimensional <laughs> multi-dimensionality of things. Um, so, but what I, I did want to uh, read this little bit, um, which I thought was rather eloquent. It's near the end of the book, um, in the, uh, in the Cosmos chapter, which I believe is the last chapter, or at least the second to last chapter. Um, and it begins, if the universe is infinite, our Hubble bubble, which is finite in extent, is just one of many, many, many non-overlapping Hubble bubble size spheres that you could draw in the universe. The universe can have a huge number of independent Hubble bubbles. Indeed, since our Hubble bubble is finite, in an infinite universe, you could fit an infinite number of these independent Hubble bubbles in the universe. Now, the information theoretic catch, each of these spheres has a finite surface area, so each of these has a finite information content, a finite number of quantum states, and a finite number of ways that matter and energy can be arranged within each Hubble bubble. There are only a finite number of wave functions that the stuff inside each Hubble bubble can have. The wave function captures every single piece of information about all the stuff, all the matter and energy in our Hubble bubble, whether we are aware of it or not. It encodes the location and momentum of every single atom in the Hubble bubble, as well as everything else you can possibly imagine about our bubble. It, in it are encoded the position and color of every light bulb in Piccadilly Circus, the velocity of every fish in the sea, and the contents of every single book that exists on Earth. Our Hubble bubble's wave function even includes your wave function. It encodes every single morsel of information about you, down to the quantum states of each atom in your body. Though this is an unbelievably large amount of information, our Hubble Bubble's wave function contains everything about our visible universe. Just for the heck of it, let's call it wave function number 153. There are only a number, there are only a finite number of wave functions for a Hubble volume. There are an unbelievably, unbelievably huge number of possible wave functions. Call it a kerjillion. But that number is finite, nonetheless. So our wave function is one of a kerjillion possible wave functions. Other than the fact that it is our wave function, there's probably nothing special about it. It's probably not all that much more probable or improbable than the other kerjillion possible wave functions. And he has a footnote that says, actually, it doesn't really matter how improbable our particular wave function is. The following argument, argument holds so long as a wave function, as wave function number 153 is not impossible. And the final statement that he, that he offers that I'm going to include is, but remember, there are an infinite number of these Hubble bubbles in the universe, in the infinite universe. I'm going to say that again. But remember, there are an infinite number of these Hubble bubbles in an infinite universe. That's the end of the passage that I'm going to read. He goes on to point out something that I want to specifically comment on.
though um, I'm going to go back and just sort of summarize what he said. Basically, the idea is this 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 term that he's using, Hubble bubble, is basically the the universe that we can experience from where we are, from our limited perspective. Um, there's only a certain distance back in time, forward in time, you know, whatever you want to call it, in space that we can uh, get information from. Beyond that is a is a an information boundary past which um, is is either before or after or just beyond the ability of light waves to travel or anything to travel because light is the fastest thing at least as far as we know. So there's there's nothing that can travel beyond that that distance of time and space. So beyond that is is something that is separate from us. Um, and he calls it the Hubble bubble because Hubble is the, you know, the, the tool, the Hubble telescope is the tool that we use to see as far as we can. Uh, so that's why he uses that term. So basically the idea is that there is this, there is at least in theory a finite space that we define as our, our, our universe, our, you know, local space uh, and time, our local space and time bubble but that there is no reason to imagine that there aren't, you know, there isn't anything beyond that. I mean, there's no reason to say, you know, nope, that's it. We're done. <laughs> you know, what we can see is what you get. You know, well, you know, <laughs> to some extent, that's what we can get. What we can see is what we can get. But beyond that, the people who are not us <laughs> can get other things. Um, you know, if there are other universes and there are you know, very likely other individuals, not necessarily humans, but other kinds of people, you know, and them, and certainly probably other universes do have hu humans in it. And a part of the theory of that is that everything that can happen does happen. This is the Pauli exclusion principle plus the, uh, the idea that, um, that if something doesn't happen and it can happen, then there's a hole in the universe and, and the universe likes perfection. Um, but one of the things that's interesting that he says, and, and that's, which is why I leave you, left you with that, that last phrase of that there are infinite number of Hubble bubbles in the infinite universe. And now he goes on to say something that I see as not necessarily true. He says, therefore, um, universes will repeat exactly uh, because if there are a finite number of possible universes, combinations of matter and energy, these patterns, um, if there are a finite number of them and then there are infinite, there, there's an infinite multiverse universe, whatever you want to call it, um, that they will repeat. However, that's not necessarily exactly true uh, mathematically because if you look at Pascal's triangle, um, if you look at how the idea of expansion and division or multiplication and division or whatever you want to call it, combination and division, um, if you look at how this process works, if you have just these two simple rules of evolution, entropy, which are things um, divide and then recombine in a different way, um, then you get the possibility that things never repeat. 
what you get is you get an infinitely ever complexifying pattern. Now, having said that, I will say that subsets of an entire universe. Um, oh, and I should say the the entire universe that we're describing, the the single universe, this sort of sub multiverse, little our Hubble bubbles, as he describes them. These finite spaces. Um, I literally look at uh, the. If you're looking at Pascal's triangle and it happens to be divided using circles or squares um, for each com for each you know category, which a lot of them do, or if you just see a number um, in Pascal's triangle, you know that that number or circle or square or you know whatever it is that's defining that category, that is what I would call a universe. Um, and of course, we can get into saying that every single one of them at a different level is its own universe, uh, which gets complicated, but that's why we can say that there's a multiverse, because if every cell is its own universe, because it's, it is a finite thing, um, but it's also connected to the outside universe, uh, there's, there's something to be said for each of these, these categories of Pascal's triangle being a universe. And so what that allows is we continue the the multiverse the all the everything continues to divide and then recombine in ways that uh not only does does on the whole nothing ever repeats you know every single new category is entirely different than the previous category in the same way that my body um is entirely different from every human being and other animal another plant that has come before even though i share a huge number of genes or or nearly all of my genes probably um you know given possible mutations from my parents um but because they're they've been combined they've been divided and then recombined it ends up being entirely new and what you can get from that is you can get subsets of patterns being repeated. So, for example, um, you know, the subset of, you know, some pattern that describes the genes for my hair color, for example, um, is probably identical to, you know, whatever my mother's or my father's hair color. Um, so there's, there's subsets that certainly repeat, which mean that parts of our universe um, will probably repeat infinitely in some kind of smaller subset um, of a larger or <laughs> more complex, I should say, anyway, um, set of patterns. So what, what he's saying, what the author is saying in this book is that um, if there are an infinite, if the, if the reality is infinite um, and are subset of reality, whatever it may be, is finite. You know, it is describable by a, a finite pattern, you know, a zero, zero, one, zero, zero, one, 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 zero, zero, one, zero, one, zero, one, zero, one, one, one. You know, some, some finite description of the pattern of contraction and expansion, um, which he calls the, the waveform, or the wave function, um, which is a, a particle physics term, quantum physics term for simply describing the possible patterns. Again, this is Pascal's triangle, um, you know, the possible combinations of those things. So if you have um, 10 to the 26th uh, power of possible combinations of, of 
these little tiny contractions and expansions at whatever level, whether that's the, um, you know, some quantum level uh, description, the smallest level that we have at our at our stage of development, that um, if that is finite, which we can imagine it is. I mean, there's no reason to imagine that it isn't, but if we describe it as such, um, you know, if we describe sort of my body, my, you know, the turtle that I am as a finite being um, in this particular time and space, which is a reasonable thing to say, even though I'm obviously connected to other things and there are things flowing in and out and my body is changing constantly, but at any given moment in time, um, my body can be fairly easily described as a single unit, as a finite thing. And so we can do the same thing with it, with our universe. And so if that universe is finite, but reality is infinite, then this exact same universe will repeat. And what I'm saying is that yes and no, that it will repeat except um, if if entropy evolution is is flowing in the, this Pascal's triangle pattern with the the continuous division and recombination in new ways, the way our genes work, that the things our universe won't repeat exactly. It will repeat exactly within another more complex system, um, which again is both saying yes and no. It will repeat, but it won't repeat. <laughs> um, in the same way that you could have, um, you could have another copy of me, for example, a twin, but I would be slightly different if I were my twin. Um, I mean, we all agree that you know twins, while they are called identical and they have, they start out at least in theory, um, nearly identical, certainly with the genes, um, they have different fingerprints, for example. Um, because how things affect our development, it's not just genes, it's also environment. So if we had a duplicate environment, a duplicate universe to the one that we're in right now, it would also end up changing in some other way. And what I'm going to suggest is that the, the duplicates have already happened, um, which is a funny way of looking at it, but um, if you look at, um, I'll link to the diagram of the the sort of, um, the weaving of our past and our future where things split. So in the past, um, things were more connected, and, and you can look at this with, with regular evolution, you can look at it with a tree, uh, a river, um, anything that has a larger volume mass of, you know, something flowing through it and then it starts splitting into multiple branches and the but the but from the branches perspective from our perspective now the past um, we can say that they they were both the same and different so that uh, when I actually draw this illustration this, this was something that I had to work very hard on and I struggled with quite a bit on how to actually do this diagram these diagrams with the the fibers the the branching patterns of how things flow through time how these universes split um, what I ended up doing was each at at the level that I decided to end the division. Um, so the lowest level that I was going to do on the Pascal's triangle, um, usually I end up being anywhere from, from four to seven. Um, 
because around that is where the human brain, you know, they, they often say that the human brain can only, can only keep seven things, seven different things in it at any given time. And that's pushing it. You know, you have your, your phone numbers, uh, your seven digit phone numbers that you can, you can pretty well remember, except that what we forget is we, we do this chunking thing, which is moving up Pascal's triangle and putting at least some of those numbers together so that you're, for example, remembering, um, you know, 617. 617 in the Massachusetts area was around for so long that it now is its own number. I mean, everybody who grew up in eastern Massachusetts in the past knows 617 is the um, the area code for um, for eastern Massachusetts. So it's, it's its own unit now. It is no longer a number. It is no longer three numbers. It's a single number. So, um, so when we look at Pascal's triangle, I tend to say that, you know, any more than four to seven is uh, is is just beyond human comprehension at a given time. And since we're looking at big picture things, we want to keep things as simple as possible so that we can see them all at the same time. Um, so as I'm as I pick the lowest level that I'm doing the diagram, the illustration from the, the fiber, fiber weaving, I then look at the number of possible combinations. And that's a, uh, that's a function of the, um, it's the uh, powers of two, essentially, um, as they go up. If you look at Pascal's triangle, the, the, the possible total numbers of combinations, if you add them all up, um, you know, the numbers that are in Pascal's triangle usually, for example, the, the, um, the one, three, three, one at the, the sort of third or fourth level down, depending on how you're counting them, um, that adds up to eight, which is, um, two to the, uh, right, two to the second, two to the third, two cubed, two times two times two. Um, so two to the, the third power. And, um, so I'll take whatever level I'm at, um, figure out how many possible combinations, and I will use each of the, I will use one for each thread, um, that I'm, that I'm drawing, or uh, I have actually used some other things to try to weave this, and I haven't found anything perfect. Um, I'm still looking for something perfect to, that's, that's both flexible and stable, uh, something like a pipe cleaner, but a little thicker, uh, I may have to make something. I tried using Play-Doh, and it, it kind of worked, but um, wasn't so great. Um, but anyway, so I have to choose the number of threads that I'm at at that level and then go up. And so each thread actually stays separate when I get to the top. Um, it may not look like that in the diagram, and most of the diagrams I merge them together, but some of the di diagrams I leave them separately so you can see the individual paths um, because, you know, from this perspective in time, they are separate, even in the past. Our universe, we still only think that our our history is a single history, even though um, if this multiple universe... It, as, for example, we think of as human beings as a single history, except, of course, that, that humanity combined with, you know, multiple other things in the past, and we were other species, as far as we understand, for evolution that um but if we actually looked back at it the the genes that became humanity 
were connected in some way in the past, we can look at it and say that was our timeline that we descended from specifically and you know these other genes ended up going in a different direction even though they were technically the same genes it's it's sort of an interesting way of looking at the past to decide whether you know we do have separate histories or if our histories are actually one and the same uh, so it's an interesting way of looking at it Anyway, I think I'll leave you with that, with the idea that um, that multi there possibly, probably are multiple universes, and that we share but don't share histories and futures, and that we will both have repetition of our universe and our reality and ourselves, and also non-repetition in that overall. Um, Things will always be different when you look at it from a larger picture. Okay, I'm going to leave you with that, and I wish you a beautiful day.